I've already forgotten the other two. Raiders, Broncos. The Oakland slash Las Vegas Antonio Browns will be last. They will, um, at some point, uh, you can write this down as part of the predictions. They'll be last. And I think at some point Antonio Brown will don the the garb of the mascot and actually just play mascot for a game because okay. hard knocks. I am writing it down. Because hard knocks. Why not? John Gruden will spontaneously combust. And uh, David Carr will light himself on fire like the monk in the famous photo. You know the one I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. That's that's pretty intense I, and, and a very interesting reference. I, I, I'm saying to you that this is all very possible. You are listening to episode 28 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast, the podcast of two unqualified idiots rambling on sports topics they likely know nothing about for an indeterminate timeline in a hastily thrown together format. Brought to us this week by Sleep Deprivation. I'm Carlos Aguazar, and with me as always is the sleep deprived Dave Turnbull. Well, <laughs> I love how it's as always I'm sleep deprived now, but that is my life going forward. But I would like to mention, uh, you know, I'm joining the Carlos Aguazar Club of Sleep Deprivation. Now, for different reasons, obviously, as you alluded to last week, my son George was born last Friday, August 16th. So that is my reason for sleep deprivation. However, you don't have that excuse. Somebody has to keep this world going, Dave. If I sleep, the sun doesn't come up. You're all welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much, Carlos. On behalf of the entire world. I'm not the hero you need. I'm the hero you deserve, Dave. <laughs> and what does that say about the rest of you? Good luck. Yeah, it's true. This is exactly... Anyway, so with all that out of the way, we do have some. We do have a little bit of smorgasbord of topics. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the NFL season preview. Truth be told, we're going to start off with the AFC, mainly because, frankly, we don't care about the AFC. Short spoiler: Patriots probably, unless Tom Brady drops dead. We can always hope, but that's about the only way it's not going to be that in the AFC because the AFC is really disappointed. However, I will say, as we go through the preview, there are a couple of teams that I'm crossing my fingers, hoping to see something from. I'd like to see some competition there. But we'll we'll talk about the NFC next week. But as far as news and notes are concerned, I do we do have a couple of items, and we can start off with a football related item that something has happened, something has changed. We'll include the links in the description for some of these. So first of all, let's talk a little bit about the Vince McMahon experiment, Redux <laughs> gone wrong, the resurrection of the XFL. They finally announced some logos and team nicknames. Yay! That's about all the enthusiasm I can muster, Dave. That's all I got. Well, I mean, at least you have the generic Dallas XFL mug. Yeah. So before we start recording, I basically I've alluded in the past in other videos. Uh, well, I shouldn't say videos. In previous podcasts, I have actually been sipping from a generic XFL Dallas mug that I bought from the XFL store when I was making fun of the AAF for not having a properly designed store that could ship to Canada, which, as we all know, was the reason for their downfall. Had they been able to ship to Canada from day one, they would still be around today. And we would have actually found out who the first AAF champion was. AAF, rest in peace. But because the XFL can do that, if, if Vince McMahon can do nothing else, he can take your money. So he knows how to do that. That, that part he's good at. But what happens is, it, also something he's good at, is taking something that could be interesting, could be exciting, and then sucking the life and joy out of it. To begin, that's team nicknames and team logos, which is a good opportunity for you to market and brand your team. They're about as generic, cookie-cutter, family-friendly crap that I possibly could have thought of. So we got Dallas as the Dallas Renegades with kind of a generic Marlboro man with a mask logo. He's got red eyes, so that's edgy, I guess. 
You got the Houston Roughnecks, which is just an H with like an oil tower, I think, with the star well, on it. Here, let me let me give you my take as you go along too, just so it's all together. So as as Dallas goes, uh, it looks like a rehash of the Ottawa Renegades logo. You know what? Yes, I I, I was trying to figure out where where it struck, but yes, you know maybe they just stole it. There's quite possibly copyright infringement right there. Somewhere Ogilvy should be like getting a class action lawsuit together. No one liked the Ottawa Renegades, but still rip, ripped off for this garbage. Come yeah, on, man. exactly. So, and then with your your Houston Roughnecks, which is an okay name, I guess. Here's the thing: I don't have a problem with the Roughnecks. I, this logo is just kind of generic crap. It's literally, I think, an oil tower with an H in the middle of it and a star at the top. Yeah, I, it's, no, it's it's like, hey, remember the Houston Oilers? We brought that logo back, but changed it up just slightly so it's different. Wow. So you've got that, and then you've got the L.A. Wildcats, which is literally a stylized L.A. Like, it's not right. even a logo. Which, which is, I mean, that part is fair because, you know, the Dodgers have the stylized L.A. Like, it's, it's, the, it's, it's a kind of thing. It's offensive because at least it looks like it was well-designed, even though it's generic. But it honestly looks like a rehash of the LAFC logo. Like, if you look at that. Uh, yeah, so, sorry, Carlos, I'm just going back. The Ottawa Renegades, seriously, it's like, it's the same thing, only facing the other way. Okay, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I, I'm, I'm going to commit to this, Dave. If that's the case, what's going to happen, and I, I'm warning you in advance, I am going to find this logo. I'm going to put the two logos side by side each other. That shit's going on the Instagram. That's going to be the, the picture that is going to lead off this podcast and the link. It's going to be I, on the I feel that's. I feel that's fair. That's going to happen. XFL. Ripping off CFL logos. How low can you sink, man? Well, and now it looks like they're ripping off MLS logos, too, with the LA Wildcats. At least with the CFL, I kind of get it. You know, sports entertainment, predetermined outcome, CFL. I get the link, but like the rest of it, is, <laughs> the rest of it, is, it's out there. Anyway, so and once upon a time, Vince McMahon did want to buy the CFL. Coincidence? I think not. Anyway, the one that really bugs me actually is, and I was mentioning to you, is the New York Guardians. The New York Guardians thing, I don't get what it's supposed to be. It feels like it's a combination between a Egyptian sphinx and like a cat, but then the thing in the back. Um, and again, the link, like I said, will be in the description and you can scroll down to it and you'll be able to see. They've got all the logos beside each other. You can check it out. But the thing is, it looks like an Egyptian motif because it's got almost like that uh, headscarf thing that the pharaohs used to have, like combined into it. That's all fine and dandy, except it's for the New York Guardians. Why? Yeah, it may like I'm, with no further context, it makes absolutely no sense. No sense whatsoever. Just looking at it in a vacuum right now, I genuinely don't understand what this logo is supposed to be and what it's supposed to represent. Like, there's no explanation. I'm going to go to the XFL website. I'll try to dig into this a little bit, watch the little video trailer thing they've got going on. Hopefully, they've got a little bit of an explanation, but I'm just taking it at face value. First reaction, looking at these logos. It does look kind of cool, but it makes no sense. For branding? There's like, without context, I got nothing. I, I, to be honest, I kind of would have been okay if they had just brought back the uh, – if they had just called them generically the enforcers or brought, brought back the New York, New Jersey hitmen and just put the logo back in there. I know they don't want to associate it to the previous XFL, but you own it anyway. Why not? But is but is hitmen really PC in this day and age, Carlos? wasn't PC in 2001 when they did it the first time and they didn't seem to care back then. What's, what's the difference does it make? The, all right. The next one is the St. Louis Battlehawks because reasons. It's basically a, a sword 
with wings. It's yeah. an angelic sword. It lo- it looks like um, either like you know it's the end of Saint Michael and he's missing his wings and sword, or or so um or sorry Archangel Michael or my, whatever you know what I mean people who people who know what I'm talking about know what I'm talking about people who don't know what I'm talking about don't care, or something from like a like God of War game. One or the other. It's possible. It, I do, but it's also St. Louis. Again, it, it really makes no sense. Like I don't understand what the is the connection. St. Louis. That's the association of St. Louis is the part that conf- like the New York thing. In a vacuum by itself, if you just show me the logo, I go, okay, sure, fine. St. Louis, though, I don't get it. No, like, like to be fair, the only logo on this list, and I'm, there's three more we still have to talk about. The only one that makes any sort of connection as to immediately where they're from is Houston. You get the oil thing. That makes sense, at least. Sure. And LA is like, well, we're not even trying and would be like the worst. We're not even trying logo ever if it weren't for the Tampa Bay logo. But we'll get there. I like I like the I like the color scheme on the LA logo. I like the I like the orange and the red. That looks kind of cool. It could probably look good on a jersey. So from that perspective, I'm okay with it. Like that LA logo on a hat. I'd wear it. Sure. If the if the rest of the hat looks okay, I'd wear it. But that's about as far as I could go with this because it's just an LA. Like, there's not a lot to it. Uh, the next, the Seattle one, again, I don't get it, but at least I kind of like this logo. The Seattle Dragons, I like. I actually am yeah. okay with the logo. No, I mean, to me, it's, it's. I think they could have done a better job because it's literally just like the head of a dragon, which is kind of generic. But based on the rest of the logos being like what they are, I have now adopted the Seattle Dragons as my XFL team girls. At least it's a decent looking logo. Like on a piece of merch, it would look okay. Like it, Yeah, like I'd I'd wear that on a hat. Yeah. So I would say In fact, since they shipped to Canada, I may wear that on a hat. I listen, we can always make this happen for you. So like at least that's decent looking. I'll give it that. The Tampa Bay Vipers, it's it's a green and yellow V. Like I understand what they're going for, but this is this is really you. What are they going for, Carlos? Because I don't understand what they're going for. If like, you drew the rest of a snake, you could get like there are like viper pictures where they where they put, use those colors to represent like a snake. The problem is it's literally just a V. It's, yeah, I was like, okay, fine, but then put the snake head on it or the snake tail that, or something. I mean, I mean, like go in the direction that you did with the Seattle Dragons. Actually, put the viper in there. Or or do what um, the Arizona Diamondbacks have done, right? So you have the D, but the D is a snake. Whereas this is just a V with two different colors in it. I think you've got to go all out if you're going to bother with it. Because at this point, it's just a V. It's a green and yellow V. It's it's literally the worst logo of the eight of them. By far. And that says a lot. Yeah. So the next one is basically a shield. So this is the... the wa- are they actually DC or are they Washington, technically? Well, Washington, DC. So the actual no, no, name I, is I know, DC I know, but, but I was wondering... Oh, no, they are DC defenders. Okay, so they are considered DC. Okay, fine. So... DC Defenders, and it's basically a shield, three stars, uh, a couple of lightning bolts, and it's a red and white motif. I'm not offended by it. It just feels kind of half-assed. Well, exactly. Like, two things. One, first of all, extremely generic name. Like, it honestly sounds more like a pretentious cross-country running name than it does a football name. Secondly, if you took away Defenders and just showed me this logo... I was like, what do you think of this new logo? I would think that uh, DC Comics has rebranded. I could see that. I could see that. I think that's the, the maybe the overarching problem, if we want to just say, 
That's that's the reason why I felt like there was a little bit of meat on this bone for me. Because like here's the truth. We don't have any real XFL news to talk about. I would love to talk about some real NXFL and it will come. We got to have a draft. We What? You're saying you're saying that Landry Jones, the former uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and University of Oklahoma quarterback is that is going to play for one of the eight teams. We just don't know which one yet. That isn't news? No, it is not. The the thing is that once we get to a draft, I am thrilled to talk about this a little bit more. I'd be happy to, because then at least we'll start to see kind of what a roster might look like, because I still have an interest in the premise of the Spring Football League. I'm worried as hell because Vince McMahon is pretty much entirely off his rocker at this point. He's struggling with his own business, let alone trying to do anything here. But this, this feels like an example of someone who is truly half-assing it and just doesn't want to fail and doesn't want to offend anybody. Well, these aren't going to offend anybody. They're not going to excite anybody but they're not going to offend anybody. Half of them are perplexing. We don't like, I don't even understand what the point of them are, but no, seriously, the only one that makes any like real concrete sense is Houston. Yeah. The rest of them just feel like your random elements you've thrown together. I don't know why Seattle has dragons as, as a nickname. Uh, like, I don't know if there was a vote or whatever. Maybe there was, but I, I'm not aware. Renegades is still to me like the most generic team nickname you could come up with. It really feels lame. And I don't know. I feel Defenders is way more generic and, and worse than Renegades. Sure, but I feel like Dallas has enough that you could that you could you know the state of Texas has enough stuff that you could draw or pull from. Where I feel like this is the cop out of cop outs, because I feel like there's enough there you could do something with if you really wanted to. Fair enough. But okay. So anyway, enough XFL for now. We'll talk about it more when they get to the draft or maybe they start composing some rosters. I'd love to see what the actual uniforms look like. The, the logos do nothing for me for the most part, but maybe if the uniforms are well-designed, that could be interesting. I just don't know. Right now, I've got nothing to go, for, go off of here. This is not promising. It's not a good start. But they're going to be the only spring game in town. I just don't know if that's going to be enough to do anything. We'll move on. So there'll be more XFL talk later on. So let, next one here, we've got a little bit of, uh, we've got the NFL happening in Winnipeg. Normally I'd be a little more excited about this, but it's a preseason game. Uh, it's the Packers taking on the Oakland Raiders. Now, the storyline for me more or less is still the Antonio Brown drama, but let's talk about the NFL in the peg. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I guess this is more of the, the NFL's, you know, outreach branding. Right, trying to get more people to come in and and be part of the game and whatever. Although I really feel like I don't know if you're the NFL, like how much room you really have to grow or can grow based on what you are already. No, you you but, you've got room in Canada because I'll make a point just to for your please listening. do. I think there is room for growth in Canada. Reason I say so is because the reason why the bills and buff uh, sorry the bills in toronto thing didn't work is because the buffalo bills are not a good franchise for it the buffalo bills were a terrible franchise for a long time there are 15,000 i think was the number season ticket holders from canada that go to buffalo to check out games part of that is because they get to see other better teams play Part of it is because the season ticket price is very respectably reasonable, even with the exchange rate, still fairly reasonable for the games that you get. And if you sell some of the premium because they play the Patriots, so you can sell that game for a nice tidy little profit and it offsets the rest of your thing. Three, tailgating. You get to go and experience the tailgating experience, which we've done in the past. It's fun. It's enjoyable. It's a good part of the game. Before the game, 
you already are having a good time. The game is like icing on the cake. And then you have a couple of beers back at the tailgate before you head out. The combination of those things give it a better in-game experience. You can't match that in Canada because our laws won't allow it. We can have like fenced off areas where you can overpay for beer. You want to bring your beer? The answer is no. You can buy ours though and drink it inside of a fenced off area. It's not the same. It's not the same thing at all. Also, the Bills in Toronto thing, the ticket prices were jacked up all the way to the top. It was insanity. So there wasn't uh, so much that was going to go for it. And then people tried to use that as a justification. Well, you know, Canada doesn't like the NFL. No, the Canada likes the NFL fine. But the reason why I say there's room for growth is that in Canada, because we really don't have the regional affiliation, a lot of us are fans of various teams for a multitude of different reasons. We're not all watching. So as much as I like to make fun of the CFL, if you're a fan in Toronto and you are a fan of the CFL legitimately, there's a reasonable chance you're an Argos fan. Or maybe you're a Hamilton Ticats fan. Or now that Ottawa's in there, maybe you're a fan of Ottawa. If you have some kind of a regional pull, that can draw you into that, you know, that vortex of that team. But with all the teams being in the U.S., you don't have a connection. The Buffalo Bills are there just because proximity. It's not because we love the Buffalo Bills. It's because they're the closest team to drive down to from southern Ontario. It's convenience. It's the same way that people in, in B.C. may be interested in going to some uh, you know, Seattle Seahawks games. Why? Proximity. It's easier to go straight down and just and check out a game and then come back. But where the NFL has some room for growth in Canada is that maybe they can draw some interest in some of these teams for fans who already kind of support a different team. I'm a Packer fan. You're a New Orleans Saints fan. We have no geographical affiliation to these teams. We've chosen them for various reasons of our own. But right now in Canada, you've got these fan bases, these little pockets of different fan bases for these teams, but they're spread out basically over the 32 teams. Not exactly evenly, but still spread out enough that it's not like you've got this massive support for one specific team over another. Having enough, If you can build up enough interest in the brand of the NFL to be like, hey, Canadians, check out Monday Night Football. Even if your team isn't playing, watch Monday Night Football. Watch Sunday Night Football. Watch Thursday Night Football. If you can pick up those Canadian numbers, that's still a win for the NFL. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I'm going to watch it because I enjoy watching those games. But the truth is, not everyone in Canada does. So They'll watch when their team is playing. That's a couple of times a year. The Packers get a lot of games in primetime. I think the September 5th game is a Packer game. So I am the beneficiary of a lot of Packer night football that works out for me. But not everybody gets that. And if you don't really care about watching you know, a random AFC matchup, a random NFC matchup in the middle of the season where your team's not involved, if you can make people a fan more of the sport rather than the individual team, that can actually pick up your numbers, and that doesn't hurt. Having mm-hmm. one more little TV deal, even in another geographical region, it's the reason why they're trying to bolster that little nascent fan base in England. Having those England games, are like that's a completely different demographic they didn't think they could have. But there are fans there, and some of them are very yeah. passionate, and they'll check out the games. Yeah. It doesn't hurt. Well, no, fair enough. And Winnipeg's uh, out there enough where it's an event out there in Winnipeg. So, well, it would have to be. I mean, the closest team to Winnipeg uh, is the Minnesota Vikings, and that's a seven-hour drive. Yeah, but that's why I think Winnipeg is actually a good choice because it's far enough away from the – Toronto is full of itself. I, I work in Toronto. I understand how full of itself it is. You put on an event, it's one of like 80 events in that month, like big events, quote-unquote. 
So you really are competing with a lot. Concerts, you know, other shows, monster truck rallies, whatever. The point is for those bigger venues, there's a lot of competition. You go out in Winnipeg, you don't have quite as much competition, but maybe the people are like, you know what? This is the only chance I'm going to have to check out an NFL game in Winnipeg. No, fair enough. And But two other points to that. One, the CFL does well in Winnipeg. The the Blue Bombers are popular. Sure. And they're winning this year. Yeah. Um, they have a new, a relatively new stadium, Investors Group Field, which is a from all accounts I've never been, but from all accounts that I've heard and 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 what the media says in Canada is a great stadium. And yes, it's a preseason game, but at least it's the third preseason game. And the third, as we know, the third preseason game is the one where the starters play the most. Sure. So you're going to have the closest thing to a real NFL game, a regular season NFL game that you can get in the preseason. So it's not like they've given you the fourth game where, you know, it's pretty much people who are already going to be cut and they know they're going to get cut playing. And it's just, you know, finding out for those final couple of roster spots or the first game where it's who knows how many people you have on your roster, right? Your roster is fairly close to being set. And the guys that are expected to be the starters are going to play the most amount of time in a game they are in the preseason. That's entirely fair. Can I can I throw in a little something that I just picked up on uh, related to the game itself? Now the game is actually happening as we're talking, by the way. Sure, go ahead. And then I have some uh, two pregame things I want to just mention. Absolutely, real quick. not a problem. One thing. This is a story I just saw on TSN.ca. I'll try to add it to the the link in the description. Apparently, concerns over the condition of Investors Group Field in Winnipeg prompted the NFL to shorten the field from the normal hundred yards was shortened to eighty yards. That's weird. Yes. Apparently, yeah, tonight's game is being played on a reconfigured field, a statement from the NFL said. The field met the mandatory practices for the maintenance of service. Uh, the field met the mandatory practices for the maintenance of services for NFL games based on inspection yesterday. Concerns arose today regarding the area where the Winnipeg Blue Bombers goalposts were previously located. The 10-yard line will function as the goal line in this game. In lieu of kickoffs, the ball will be placed at the 15-yard line. So now I want to go multi-screen live and put this game on because apparently it's an 80-game field. Yes, Investors Group Field. Yes, represent for the Canadians. Which you think would be weird, like, the, the you know, since the, um, I, I mean, I guess it would have been, it would, that line would probably be, what, the middle of the end zone on an NFL field? Yeah, it, it, the, the configuration of a CFL field really does wreak havoc to a certain degree with certain NFL configuration. But at the end of the day, it is hysterically funny to me that they didn't think of that in advance. It, it just seems odd that it would it, it would be a game time decision, basically. At the yeah, or why was it fine the day before, but suddenly the day of, it's like, actually, no. Yeah, that just means that somebody dropped the ball in terms of playing a little bit. They should have paid a little bit closer attention to that. that is- <laughs> and, and, and for the viewers, or sorry, the listeners, I would say viewers. I don't know why I'm just used to that. But for the listeners' information, it's a turf field. It's not grass. Yeah. It's so, a turf field. So in reality, it shouldn't be a problem compared yeah, to exactly. a lot of other potential Canadian venues. So it very odd. I but that's hilarious. I, I I love the fact I love the fact that the Canadian football field configuration is normally larger than an NFL field, but they actually had to shrink it from the size of a normal NFL field. That's actually kind of great. That is actually. Maybe they should have gone to fifty yards and just got arena football rules. That would have been kind of hey, fun. That could be interesting too. That could be kind of fun. All right, so here's my two things for you. Go ahead. One that you may or may not know. So one, Aaron Rodgers uh, showed up to the Winnipeg airport. And they have all these pictures online of players arriving in yeah. Winnipeg, Wearing right? Wearing the Canadian tuxedo? 
Yes. I saw I saw a picture, yes. I just want to give a shout out to that because I, I think that's a classy move in a, in a different kind of way. Aaron Rodgers is aware. Aaron Ro- so as a fan of the Packers. Wait, are you saying he's woke, Carlos? No. The let, let me let me give you the Aaron Rodgers synopsis. Here it is. Very simply. Aaron Rodgers is aware enough to know what he's where he's going and what he's doing. He knows he knows what he's presenting out to the to the public. Aaron Rodgers is a bastard. Now, he's he's arrogant because he's an NFL quarterback who makes a lot of money and has a Super Bowl. That's not unusual. But at the same time, what you have to bear in mind is that at this by the same token is he is extremely talented at football and he gets away with it because of that. But the fact of the matter is that you're always going to have an aspect of that. He is just as much a diva as a lot of other players in the in the league, but it's always going to be looked at when you are in a franchise that has the profile of a Green Bay Packers. Even though they don't win as often as they would have in the in their past history, once once they got into the modern day, because if you really think about it, after the 1960s, the Packers didn't really win again until Brett Favre showed up. And that's only really in the last 25, 30 years that the team really became relevant again. They had a big strip because they won the first two Super Bowls. And then you have to go well into the 30s. I think it was Super Bowl 32 where Brett Favre and that team won. And they got to another one and lost to John Elway. But then again, another drought where they don't win anything. They don't get to that position until Aaron Rodgers and that team gets there. And now we're starting to put a little bit of distance between us and that Super Bowl. So it's not like they win all the time. They're still a historical franchise. They've Correct. got so many NFL championships. They're still a worthy franchise to be notable. But it's going to be very interesting. And this is something that I've that I've known and have to consider as a fan. What's going to happen when you don't have a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback in there? Because you've gotten two in a row. And it's not easy to get. Th- the odds of getting to three are astronomical. I don't know what the succession plan is going to be when you're coming off of two guys of that caliber. So it's always kind of fun. You have to enjoy the Aaron Rodgers and the Brett Favre's for all their foibles because they have flaws. Both guys had flaws. But you have to enjoy them for what they are because not every franchise gets them. And and franchises don't have them would love to have that problem. But as far as the Canadian tuxedo, Aaron Rodgers knows what he's doing. He's he's very aware. And I think think it's tongue-in-cheek for him, but I think he's having fun with it. And why not? It's a preseason game. Have some fun. Well, exactly. And speaking of fun in preseason, so here you go. Uh, apparently I've learned now that I am not the only person who has trouble with Canadian geography. Uh, the rookie, AJ Cole III, who is a punter for Oakland, was shown up at the airport wearing a hoodie that says on the front, it's got the, uh, Winnipeg, the city, Alberta? Yeah, cityscape, and it says Winnipeg, Alberta. Did he have that? The thing is, why would you have it? So here's, a, may I give a tip to everyone? This is to everyone. If you're going to go somewhere and you're trying to ingratiate yourself to the locals, just buy a shirt from the local area. You don't need to custom make one where you can potentially do this. This is like people who get tattoos of something and then misspell it. Why would you do this to yourself? Yeah. Just, so apparently apparently he said he got it on Amazon. Why? Just no. Hey, you probably got it from Amazon from a third-party seller from China. Why would you probably. do this? Why would you do this? So, but I would like to read his tweet. So he said, apologize to citizens of Winnipeg, Manitoba. Just a kid from Atlanta, Florida, playing football in Oakland, Nevada with a low geography IQ. So I, get, I, I do appreciate the tongue-in-cheek tweet he put out afterwards. 
I feel based on this, he should be your favorite player. You guys, you know, share geography notes. I, for one, look forward to wearing my Montreal, Ontario shirt. And if Fair I can ha- and if I can have one made, God knows I will. And I will wear hey, it to your. And I'm I pretty sure I can house. find one for you. Yeah, I'll wear it. I'll wear it to your house, and we will take a picture. It'll be beautiful. And then we'll put it on the unnecessary podcast Instagram. Yes, yes, indeed. So no, there's a, there's a lot of little fun. Most of these stories are very lighthearted, fair as far as it's a preseason game. Where I'm really just looking forward to. I want to get to the regular season already. Like I said, I'm pretty sure. I think September fifth is the season opener, right? I think the I think that Packer game they're advertising it is the season opener, is it not? Yeah, season September fifth is the first game. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to it, not just because it's a Packer game, but I'm looking forward to it because we're talking about regular season NFL football. I want to get to it already. I don't care about the preseason. And there is a lot to talk about in the preseason. Let's do this, because we're going to be talking about the NFC next week. When we talk about the NFC next week, if it hasn't already been resolved, we'll talk about Zeke. We'll talk about the Dallas Cowboys needing to sign everyone in creation for a lot of money. Depending on what happens with that, because I think that'll be interesting. But we'll get to that. Okay, one more football thing before we get to the football We'll get to the other one. All right. Let's talk about the annual David Braley's going to sell the goddamn team sweepstakes. Dave, go for it. So I just, I don't know what to think about this because we already know that the Montreal Alouettes are owned by the CFL currently. And it looks like there may be another team happening soon. And that would be the BC Lions who David Braley, uh, so if you don't know the saga, uh, let's put it into shorter terms. David Braley's actually from Hamilton. Uh, and he still, as far as I know, lives in Hamilton. Uh, I actually saw him at a Tim Hortons drive-thru one time on my way to a church in Hamilton. But that's another story for another day. But he is the owner of the BC Lions. He's owned them for some time. And basically since, let's say, around 2010, he's been thinking about selling the team and, and trying to sell the team. So what happens is, well, he hasn't sold the team. And it continues to be a thing where he says, okay, well, I'm going to try and do it. And it doesn't happen. So in 2013, he was like, oh, I'm going to probably sell it within three years. Okay, well, that didn't happen. But he got apparently a bunch of groups that were interested in buying the team. Well, then in 2017, they're like, I think I've narrowed it down to a few few potential buyers. But nothing happened. And he's saying he doesn't want to sit here and be at 95 owning a franchise. Well, he's 78 right now. Part of the reason he wants to sell is because his health isn't that great. So he's decided to sell. However, nobody really wants to buy it. Why? Because it's a CFL team. Well, I think that's part of it. I actually think the other part of it is that he is actually trying to get what he thinks is the correct value for the... I don't think he wants to give the team away. His excuse is, oh, well, I want to make sure it goes to an ownership that will take care of it, you know, preferably a local ownership, blah, blah, blah. The, the reality is he's asking for more money than anybody else is offering. Nobody is even close to the ballpark that he's inquiring for. Why? Because... You've got a team, and and let's be fair. I like to I like to tease the CFL a lot because frankly it's fun. But the truth is, the team itself was doing okay. Say about five years ago, it was doing fine, yes. and you know they had done some renovations to the stadium. The team was competitive. They were drawing close to thirty thousand, which for the CFL is very good, very decent. Now, mind you, it is a cavernous stadium that they're playing out of, so thirty thousand doesn't look quite as impressive as it would in other venues. However, with that said, the team was about as good as it was going to be as far as a sellability standpoint. You had a competitive team. You had you know some momentum going. The man wants about $35 million, but nobody will offer him more than 20 Why will nobody offer more than 20 Because they know predominantly a CFL team is a money loser. 
And anybody who is willing to offer money for the team is along the vein of, um, I'll use an example in the article that we, we're going to link the article so that you guys can get some context. It gives some background. It's kind of the stuff that Dave mentioned. But here, an example. There's a mini ownership group uh, headed by Mark Woodwall and Maury Keith. We've never heard of them either, so if you haven't heard of them, feel free to Google them. I have no idea who they are. But they are local prospective investors who have a plan. And this is the key right here. I'm going to mention what the plan is, but then I'm going to explain why this is indicative of a problem. They have a plan to raise $20 million by selling shares, spending 8 to $10 million to buy the franchise, and using the rest to run the team. Braley wants like $35 million. This plan would be buying the team for like $10 million and using the rest to buy the team. That is code for we do not have the financing to actually buy this team and run it. This is the equivalent to me of the problem is most of the people who are even willing to entertain this are people who want to buy a $5,000 car, have $5,010 in their account, and after they buy the car for $5,000, good luck the first time you have to fill up the tank. You can't afford it. So even if you put the money together, you actually can't afford to run the franchise, which means you don't have the financing. It means... You can borrow money to buy the team, but that's about as far as you get. The CFL has had a lot of owners like this, and this is what's hurt them from a brand standpoint, is that anybody with real money doesn't want to put it in here. The only people that are willing to put that money up at this point are corporations who are like, you know what, we're going to lose money for years, but we'll use it to promote other stuff. That's basically the reason the consortium with Bell bought the Toronto Argos. It's not because they want the Toronto Argos. They want the content. They want the incendiary benefits that come from owning the Toronto Argos, the longest-running professional football franchise in North America, that is the brand that they're buying. They're not buying the team because they don't care about the team. And they can eat losses forever because CFL losses, a Bell Canada can afford indefinitely. That's a rounding error for Bell Canada. That's the reason why they can play that game. But most other business people with money are not going to do that. They're not interested in losing that kind of money forever. No. And when are you going to make it? How are you going to make it? No. I mean, and the thing is, Braley is a rich guy. Yeah. And that's uh, the he's in, he I think he's in auto parts. But that's the reason uh, he's been like able that. to do this as his toy. And for a bre- and for a stint, I think Braley also owned the Argonauts. He did? So, like, he technically owned two teams in this league, which normally is a no-no. <laughs> but they had to make no. it work. And he did that He did that to basically save the Argos. He did them a solid. Which, Exactly. He did a league of solid. But the thing is, you know, if you can sell the team for, you know, a dollar more than you bought it for, take your money and go to the bank. Like, just just get out because he wants it. And I think it's better for everybody that the sooner he gets out, provided, obviously, that, you know, they don't sell to the Liebermans, then here's the thing. Go. Here's the thing. The jokes aside, I actually don't think they're better off. I, and the only reason I say so is I don't think there's anybody out there who is willing to buy it that can actually run it. I think whoever run, whoever buys it will end up going bankrupt because I don't see who with actual money wants to even bother. Well, there is a – there's a even in the article you've cited, there's talk about the Canucks owner potentially getting in on the deal. Yeah, I, I'm sure he will if, they, if, he, if he can buy it on five cents on the dollar. Because the thing is, these guys, the any the best way to put this, there's a lot of sports leagues where I always argue that they're rich guys who use the municipality to get a free stadium, to get tax breaks, to get all this stuff, which I think is BS. I've always thought it's BS. But as far as the CFL is concerned, 
it is a set of franchises that are run in such a way with a business model that is set up in such a way where any reasonable business person would run away screaming at the potential. I wouldn't, even if I had a billion dollars, I'm not sure I would buy this team. Not because I couldn't afford the losses, but it's because what are you going to do with it that will actually make it profitable? You've got a cavernous stadium. It's not a bad stadium per se. And if you can fill it, it'd be great. And you could make that into a revenue-producing thing. But the team itself was drawing five years ago, as like I said, almost 30,000. Now they're not drawing, they're drawing under 20,000. And if you make the team competitive again, that'll help for sure. But at the same time, it's like in the long run, what is the end game? In Toronto, we've had this discussion for years. Different ownerships, different things. It's not like the Argos don't win ever. They do win. And they actually win with reasonable regularity considering the inconsistencies of the franchise ownership over the years. You know, well, that, that makes me think, I mean, the, you know, notwithstanding the the Raptors championship this year or the TFC MLS Cup uh, a couple of years ago, the only team that's really won anything in the last 30 years are the Argos. Yeah. And they've won multiple times. Well, the Argos, the Argos have always been the interesting litmus test for Toronto sports where they try to argue, it's like, well, in Toronto you like winners. It's like, well, that's, that's not true. As much as I mock the Argos and the CFL in general, like I said, for the reasons of entertainment, the Toronto Argos have the most championships in the CFL. But that in itself, it's like the New York Yankees. I use the New York Yankees example, but the New York Yankees are different to me. And this is a conversation for another day, but the New York Yankees are the most overrated top-tier franchise of all time. And I will tell you why in a future podcast. I promise. But the thing is, from a from a context standpoint, I think the Argos are actually better at being the Yankees of their respective sport. The reason why I say is they they just haven't won often. They've won recently, and they've won with regularity. Even though it's not like they've put together these dynastic runs, even though they have in the past, they still manage to win with some consistency. And I'll use the example. So Dave and myself are right around the same age. But what happens? Let's use that as the cutoff. Like, just our lifetimes alone. We're not talking about the past, the distant past. No, our lifetimes. We're both born in 1983. If I just use 1983 as the the cutoff line, they won the Grey Cup in 1983. They won the Grey Cup in 1991. They won the Grey Cup in 1996 and 1997. That's four. They won the Grey Cup in 2004. They won the Grey Cup in 2012. They won the Grey Cup in 2017. That's not half bad. That's pretty well, can, good within the context of that time frame. It's not like you're winning every year, but five to ten years between championships is not terrible. Well, I would say it's better than not terrible. I'd say that's pretty fantastic. Yeah, so overall, I would consider that to be a fairly successful franchise over a 36-year period. Would you not? That's pretty Absolutely. By most standards, most franchises, would. if I tell you over the next 36 years you're going to win uh, seven championships, it's going to be kind of spread out, but you'll win seven championships. Are you good with that? Most most fan bases would be like, we accept your terms. Thank you for offering. That's not bad. Yeah. Means every generation has a winner. Well, has more than a yeah. winner. So it's like, that's not bad. And this is a team that they barely had to, they almost had to give away several times. Like, this is a team that almost got contracted because they couldn't find an owner. And that's their back end. But that tells you where the fan, the fan interest is not related to winning. You can't argue that here. It doesn't work. This is a bigger argument about the CFL in general, but I'm saying you can't argue that winning is the thing. This team has 17 Grey Cup championships. That's the most. 
it's a lot. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference. The fans that are passionate about this team are passionate. They will. They are die hard. But there's not a lot of them. The majority of them will come and go depending on the whims of time. And the most, uh, the biggest time period for this franchise was back in the seventies. After the seventies, it's just been a steady decline for the most part, with little blips here and there. And it's not because of lack of success; they've had success, and a lot of it. Yeah, and it and they've had success in recent times. So it's not like it's been. It's been two years since the last championship. It's not. Yeah, it's it's not like you're you know you're living on the glory days of old. Yeah, and right. You want, Your glory, glory days, days are are within the last five years, yeah. really. But if you even want to go back to the old glory days, that's icing on the cake. It just means you have also a long history of success. So, like I said, Toronto is an is an anomaly overall. But I would say to you that BC is not dissimilar. Now, mind you, they don't have the track record of success. But I don't know if BC is salvageable that way because Vancouver is very similar to Toronto in kind of mentality at the stage. Are they really dissimilar? I don't feel like they are. They won't like you telling them that, but I agree. Yeah. It's just BC, if you ever, if you're outside of Canada and you ever come to Canada, Vancouver and Toronto are more similar than dissimilar. There are other parts of regions of Canada that are going to be very different. The vibe is going to be very different. But those two places have a lot of similarities. And a lot of that plays out in the way that the sports teams are treated. Exactly. Nope. Right. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Carlos. All right. Any other thoughts on the Braley thing, or can we move on? Uh, nope. Let's just. I just hope it re- is resolved sooner rather than later, one way or the other. Fair enough. All right. Before we do the pretentious cross-country running, Carlos needs more scotch. All right. The pretentious cross-country running report with Dave Turnbull. Okay. So this time we're talking about VAR, which is something that Carlos and I talked about, obviously, on our discussion about uh, instant replay and coaches' challenges and things like that. The, uh, can you give what the acronym actually means? It stands for Video Assistant Referee. Uh, the Premier League is back. So when I say Premier League, I'm talking about the English Premier League, and they've played two games so far in their season. So they've had two weeks into the season. We, this is the first year that they've used VAR. And now everyone's going, oh, crap, we hate this. And it's funny because a lot of, you know, pundits, a lot of, well, maybe not as many pundits, but a lot of fans are like, hey, we need this because we want to get the decisions right. And again, as, as Carlos and I mentioned before, it's supposed to only be used for things that are clear and obvious errors. Well, what's happening is that, you know, correct decisions are being made based on VAR, based on the letter of the law. But it isn't being applied consistently. It's causing multiple delays, and fans aren't being told what's happening. So a goal will be scored, uh, as happened in the uh, Manchester City-Tottenham game. I'll just use this as an example. The Manchester City scored a goal, which would have put them up 3-2. And based on the rest of the game, the way the rest of the game went, would have been the winning goal. Obviously, we don't know that at the time. Uh, And the goal was called back. Why was the goal called back? Because it hit a player's arm prior to that. Uh, not the goal scorer's arm, but a player in the lead-up to the goal, and which the referee didn't see and wasn't called, and a goal was scored, was given as a good goal, and then VAR buzzed in and said, hey, wait a minute, uh, we need, you need to go look at that. We think you've made an error. Now, question, is there a term for that? 
like inappropriate contact or wrong player making contact or so, like is there a term? no it would just, it would just by the the rules of the game it's just handball that's the only term for it okay so handball is just kind of a catch-all term for basically you touched it when you shouldn't have yeah okay and and, 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 you know, there's handball is probably like what it actually says in the rule book is deliberate handball. That's the actual wording in the rule book. That's, uh, but that's, ha- that's a really bad word for me. Not because I I'm agree. legal about it is because it's hard that at that point you're trying to establish intent. And that's really hard to do. I, which I normally, is I which is why check with actual legitimate points in your cross country report. But that's intent. And that's yeah. almost impossible to prove. Which which is. Basically, the most difficult rule to interpret in the book because it's applied so inconsistently already. Yep. What is a handball? What isn't a handball? The fact that a hand, what's called at midfield for handball isn't necessarily the same thing that would be called in the penalty area for handball because it could be a penalty shot, you know? Um, and then basically, it just says in the stadium as we go to the back to the VAR, it's like, you know, a notification will come up that it's under review. And then it just says VAR complete. But the fans have no idea what, what they've seen, right? Versus uh, football stadiums. At least I'm pretty sure they do this in the CFL. Because it's been a while since I've been to an actual game. Uh, they actually show the replay that you see on TV on the screen a couple times. Which they didn't used to, but they've changed that. I think just so of, fans... I think a lot of stadiums have started doing that, which I think is wise. I think it's helpful for the fan to get a glimpse at what's being considered because then they can make their own mind up. Now that may not make them happy, but at least it gives them something. Yeah. Again, it's slowing down the game. And and this is something that, for example, MLS fans uh, are are somewhat getting used to because they've had VAR for a couple of years now. Uh, But you don't hear what the referee's talking about. You don't know what they're looking at. And it's just, we're going to VAR and then a decision is made either, you know, the goal stands or it doesn't stand. And we, and we don't know why. If you're on TV, they can speculate about that, and they can show you replays where you, they don't do that in the stadium, but they're still not telling you exactly what the referees talked about because no one's privy to that conversation other than the referees themselves. So do the refer now, I'm assuming based on your description that this is the case, but you're saying also when the call is made, the referees don't actually give any kind of an explanation. No. So all they'll do is they'll make the VAR signal, which is basically they draw a TV box with their hands, and and then they then they make a call. So they'll point to the penalty spot, or they'll raise their hand for offside, or the, you know they'll make whatever that signal is, and then you know okay this is what they've called. But for example, in this case with the Manchester City thing that I alluded to, there is no hey it was a handball signal, right? So they just say no goal and play on, and people in the stadium are left to wonder what the heck happened. And, you know, fans who were, you know, 30 seconds ago or a couple minutes ago celebrating a goal because it was could have been the decider in the match are now going, hey, what the heck? And people are, you know, the one worry is that it's going to take some of that enjoyment and that spontaneity of a goal celebration, which is a big deal in soccer because, as Carlos has pointed out numerous times, it doesn't happen that often. Two or three times it, a year. You know, it's, it's going to take that away from the game, which... It's probably not good for the game. That's fair. But here's a question. Based on what you just described, is the issue more... The delay in the game is you know, definitely for flow. You don't want too many delays or breaks in the game because that's never good. That's never a good thing in any sport. But I, th- I feel like part of the issue that you're outlining here is a real lack of transparency. The fact that you're reversing a call, fine. But if I'm in the stadium, I don't know why. I don't understand what it is that just actually... You saw something, 
but I don't know what it is because I couldn't see it. I don't have that benefit of the replay. If I'm on TV, probably I get those replays. Maybe the announcers are talking about it. And then there, I actually have an explanation on the TV side. But in the, in the stadium live, I know nothing. And that leaves me in the dark, and that's not a good feeling, especially if something gets taken away. Yeah, exactly. It's a bad fan experience. So that's where we are. This has been the Pretentious Cross Country Running Report with Dave Dermal. Very good. Before we get into, like I said, the main topic is going to be a little truncated. Like I said, the AFC, we're not as excited about it. We'll talk about it, though, a little bit because we're coming up. We're getting close, a couple of weeks away from the NFL actually getting started. So we definitely want to start ramping ourselves up. But before we do, you have a shout-out. It looks like it's a 30 for 30 podcasts. It's apparently a five-part series, The Sterling Affair. Is this Donald Sterling? We're yes, it is Donald Sterling. Okay. Uh, so basically, it, as we met, it's a 30 for 30 podcast, which we've talked a little bit about on the show before. And basically, their latest season is all one documentary. Usually, they just do one story that's usually about an hour long. In this case, they've decided to do one story that's five parts, and it's called The Sterling Affair. And basically, it's, it starts with the Sterling tape, which led to him being removed as an NBA owner. I won't get into the details if you don't know what that's all about. And then it goes back to his rise as a real his life growing up in L.A., him becoming a lawyer, then uh, getting involved in real estate and trying to be the Donald Trump West, if you will, uh, including to him buying a team. And there's some really interesting uh, information in it, too, about the fact that he was actually the one that provided Jerry Buss with the money to buy the Lakers, which I did not know. Uh, so some interesting tidbits, and obviously it gets into the tape and the fallout and all that, and has some really good interviews with players, and gets really into sort of who Donald Sterling is, and and basically he's a crazy old dude, and also racist. But most of that we already knew, but the way they tell the story is really interesting, uh, I'm only three parts of the way through, but it's fascinating and I'm really enjoying it. And I think it's something we're checking out. How long are the episodes? Uh, I think the longest one is 52 minutes and the shortest one's 49. So in that range. Okay. And these are, I think these are audio only podcasts for what we're talking about. That is correct. Yeah. So in contrast, because Dave has mentioned it before, in contrast to the 30 for 30 television documentaries, these are audio exclusive only documentaries which is a very different style if you're not familiar if you're not c familiar with it it's going to be very different the presentation obviously you don't have the benefit of the picture so you really have to you're going to rely a lot on interviews and different uh different clips of audio to try to convey the story but it's an effective medium if it's done well and the 30 for 30 folks tend to do a pretty good job picking their uh their directors and audio engineers to make it happen so if it's a five-part series that probably means they found a lot in there to talk about that sounds like a pretty good way of uh, getting a couple hours if you've got a long drive or something. Absolutely. All right. How about I'll do the lead into this, Carlos? So let's just go division by division. Uh, I'll give you my who's going to uh, finish where and a couple of thoughts. Then I'll let you add to that. And then we'll go overall what our six playoff teams are going to be. All right. Do it. AFC. Okay. So we're going to start with the AFC North. We're going to go north, south, east, west. Starting with the north. Uh, I'm picking, in order, the Ravens to finish first in the division, the Cleveland Browns to finish second, the Pittsburgh Steelers to finish third, and the Cincinnati Bengals to finish fourth. Reason being, I think Baltimore has it more together. Uh, they've got good pieces. They have a good quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Uh, they've added running back Mark Ingram, who I obviously know well from being a Saints fan. 
And, you know, nothing has drastically changed. They always have had a solid defense. I think they'll have a solid defense this year. And I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be first based on who the rest of the division is. I think Cleveland is going to be better with Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, you know, I think will be really good. But I don't think they're obviously a complete package with... Uh, what's the quarterback's name? Is escaping me right now. Baker Mayfield. Thank you. Uh, obviously, he'd be more developed the way they finished off last year. I expect better things for them. I just don't think they're good enough to win the division yet. Pittsburgh, I see, is being on a sort of continual decline over the past few years. They've, I mean, Ben's still serviceable. They've still got good players. They've lost Antonio Brown. I expect them to take a step back on offense, and their defense is only okay. So that's why I see. And I would really pick them to finish last, but Cincinnati is, you know, this division's dumpster fire. Uh, you know, they've got a new head coach, and, you know, best of luck to Zach Taylor, but I don't really see them going anywhere. So those are my four. Ravens, Browns, Steelers, Bengals. Okay. So I'm not going to go and do a full division breakdown because I really haven't scanned it and looked at it. We kind of put together the format in a hastily thrown together manner. Brand people. Hashtag but again, we're, we've already told you that we don't really care about the AFC, so we're really only going cursory over it. Whereas next week, the NFC will be much more detailed. Yes. But I do want to lead with one very important thing, and I feel this is a good time to bring an extremely important caveat. I'm very comfortable with my NFL playoff picks because those are teams that are decent. Those are teams that I have a large sample size to draw from. I've had a chance to watch them throughout the course of the season. By that point in time, I feel very comfortable in assessing various teams and their matchups to each other. Prior to week one of the NFL, I want to clearly indicate for everyone who would possibly be listening to this podcast, we know nothing. We know less than nothing. And especially preseason, I'll be honest, I put almost no stock in preseason. I'll watch it, but it means almost nothing. I'll listen to the same, you know, resources that the rest of you will, the podcasts, you know, the television shows and all that, and I'll try to gather what I can out of it. But preseason is tough. There's so many factors into it. I'm not making excuses. I'm simply stating a fact. With that said, I do disagree with a couple of Dave's picks as far as this division is concerned. I think Cleveland will be okay. I don't think they'll be as good as a lot of people think they are. I could see them being second in the division. That part's fine. I think Pittsburgh, I think Dave is underplaying Pittsburgh a little bit. I will give a couple of reasons why. Number one, I do think Ben Roethlisberger genuinely wants to prove the point that Antonio Brown was, while talented, was a pain in the ass, and he actually wants to prove that he can do it with Juju Smith-Schuster. And Juju is a very talented player. I think in the same vein, Mike Tomlin is hell-bent on crushing without Antonio Brown. I think what they really want to do, I think the two of them sit in a room and say, we've got to beat this bastard. And the best way we can do that is by playing well without him, getting to the playoffs, and doing anything. Winning around anything, just something. Whereas Antonio Brown is in Oakland sucking because he is setting himself up for that kind of season. We'll talk about more of the Oakland Raiders in a minute. But the point that I'm trying to get at is I think Pittsburgh will be motivated to do about as well as they can. And I think the departure of Antonio Brown is addition by subtraction. I think at this point he doesn't help anybody that gets him. There is nobody who will benefit from Antonio Brown except Antonio Brown. And I'm just being honest with that. His capabilities are there. His production should be there, but at the same time, I don't think his head is in it the way it should be. So I think it's it's addition by subtraction. I think the Pittsburgh are better without Antonio Brown than with him at this stage in the game, and I think they will be motivated to play well. Cincinnati's terrible. I don't think they're. I think the them at the bottom of the division makes perfect sense to me. Baltimore concerns me. I want 
I want Jackson to be good. I want it to happen. I just don't know if it will. And I don't know if it will this season at the very least. I think he's got a couple of elements of his game to work on. If he can develop those things very quickly, totally, totally doable. I still think the Steelers will squeak out the win in this division. Although, don't it would not shock me if the Browns won the division. I just, you know, I feel like it's those two. I really think that Baltimore is actually playing for number three. We'll kind of see how it plays out, but that's kind of where I have them. Cincinnati, I've got at the bottom. That's kind of how I see it playing out based on what I've seen thus far. That's my stance on it. All right. I'm making sure I write this down so yeah, we can go back and tell the people later, as we mentioned right now, how we literally know nothing and are never right about the NFL. Remember, people, we know nothing. Nothing. Please continue. All right. AFC South. Don't have a lot to say here, uh, but I feel I'm just going with this. Uh, Colts, Texans, Jags, and Titans in that order. Uh, basically because I think the Colts are good and will continue to be good. And I don't think the, you know, Deshaun Watson's okay with the Texans as a quarterback, but I don't think it's enough to really run away with this division. I think this division could be competitive and I actually have a lot of trouble picking this one, but that's what I'm going with. Um, the other thing that I think will be interesting will be Nick Foles with the Jaguars mm -hmm. and how well he plays. Obviously he's going to be better than Blake Bortles. Let's put You're it that way. Than Blake Bortles. No, fair enough. Um, Your newborn son is better than Blake. I was just going to say, my George is probably better than Blake Bortles. But anyway, even though he is currently the size of a football. Uh, I'd, still, I'd, still pick him. I'd still pick him in a straight-up draft. I'd fair enough. Uh, you know, and the Jags have a good defense. So, I mean, you know, it could they could be better than we think. So who knows? So in the interest of making picks, Colts, Texans, Jags, Titans. And that's all I got. I struggle with the I struggle with this division because the Colts I just don't know I feel like the Colts should be I think we all want Andrew Luck to be good and he's shown flashes of that capability but it's just never come together enough that's always been the problem with the with the Colts after Peyton Manning left Luck was supposed to be the guy and and he's shown pieces of it as I said it's it's awkward I would say. I do like Deshaun Watson a little bit more, and the biggest reason for it is that he's played through a lot of injuries, and I think that the coaching has held him back a little bit, and I think if they can allow Deshaun Watson to play to his capabilities, I do like Houston in this division, and I also like Houston because, frankly, I think they'll be secretly offended by that pathetic Houston example in the XFL. I would be offended having that in the same city as me with all that weak sauce. Like, it's weak. Fair enough. It's very sad. It's weak. The Dallas Cowboys should be offended by the Renegades, but at the same time, I don't think they're, I don't think Jerry Jones is aware of what's going on anywhere around it. So I think Houston is the one who may get residual anger from the existence of the Houston, I already forgot what their damn name is. Roughnecks. Yes, I got it. Roughnecks. That's a garbage nickname, too. But anyway, I think Houston probably could win that division. That would be my pick. Indy, I think, will be good. I've already forgotten the other teams. Oh, Jacksonville. Jacksonville. I kind of like, I, I really want to see Nick Foles play out the full season. I want to see him play out the full season as a starter. It's too bad, though. I feel bad because the Jaguars were a decent team held back by Blake Bortles. I don't know if they're a decent team anymore held. Having a number one defense is really hard to maintain. 
when you have it, you need your quarterbacking to be competent. And it was such a mistake to stick with Blake Bortles when that defense was good. They could have beaten the New England Patriots if they had had George at quarterback. Anyone that wasn't Blake Bortles. And it's such a great disappointment. The Jacksonville Jaguars may be one of those teams that it's like, you know what? I don't. Jacksonville could have actually won a goddamn Super Bowl for nothing more than being at the right place at the right time with the right combination of defensive players, but they were held back by Blake Bortles. And that's yep. an unforgivable sin. It really is. It's disgraceful. They should know better. You need a role model, Jacksonville. You need to do better. This is just disappointing. You finally got a half decent quarterback, but I think it might be too late. And that's problematic. That's very unfortunate. Yeah. Um, and who was the last team? I suddenly forgot. Titans. Uh, anyway, moving on. Next team. Next, okay. next division. The everyone's favorite division, the AFC East. So Patriots. we're gonna both Car- moving on. So Patriots are picking. Yeah, Carlson are picking Patriots, and who cares about the rest? So you can put them in any order. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter because I don't think any of them are going to make the playoffs. Make your picks. But I will tell make you this. Picks, but I will have one thing to say about one of these okay. teams. But please. So I'm going to go uh, New England, followed by Buffalo, followed by the Dolphins, followed by the Jets. But the only thing I really want to mention about this division, because I think it's really interesting, Pro Football Focus has Josh Allen rated last of all the starting QBs in the NFL. Just want to put that out there. Really? Yes. He is ranked 32nd. I feel that's that's harsh. I think that's a little harsh. Okay, l- l- let's talk about this division a little bit. Okay, so here's the deal, everyone. If they stay healthy, if they do what they usually do, if whatever, the Patriots win in a walk. Okay, look, let's just move on from that portion of it. The New England Patriots, I don't care enough to talk about them any more than that. We'll talk about them when the playoffs come. If everything goes according to what's expected, we'll talk about them when the playoffs come. Until then, I don't want to hear about the goddamn Patriots. Okay? Is that fair? Reasonable? I think so. I, I genuinely have no interest. The rest of the division fascinates me a little bit. It does. I don't think the, the your, your, your pick for them for second place, I think, is reasonable. Mind you, if the Patriots get one decent injury that causes them an issue, it could make it interesting. I feel like Josh Allen could be decent. Now, the problem is that it's the Buffalo Bills. And they always find a way to create a problem. But I feel like there is talent there. I actually think there is talent there. The reason why I say this division is fascinating to me is that I also think Josh Rosen has talent. I think that Arizona was just really bad. <laughs> and I think that and Miami traditionally has given New England fits. And I think that Josh Rosen is potentially a better quarterback than they've had in years. Tannehill sucks. They had Jay Cutler for a season, which is heroic because Jay Cutler is my spirit animal. I appreciate him on levels that not everyone can. But the point is that the Miami Dolphins have had some real crap quarterback play since Dan Marino retired. Josh Rosen, I think, is decent. And I think if they can find an offense that can kind of work to his strengths, Miami could be okay. The problem is that it's building it in a division where the Patriots have owned that division. But at the same time, the Patriots have owned that division because that division is that division. Miami has been garbage for the entire Belichick-Brady run. They've struggled to find anybody competent to fill the quarterback in shoes. The Buffalo Bills have been run like a, cl- like a dumpster fire for years. So it's like, I want to give credit to you, New England, but at the same time, I can you play... Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave. I think this is right. I think you play your teams in the division twice each. Yeah, once away, once home, once away. Yeah, so, and you've got a four-team division. So that's like six free wins per year. Five to six free wins 
per year out of six games if you're the New England Patriots. So if I if I concede you five wins right there, that leaves you 10 games for the entire rest of the season. You could be 500 for the rest of the season, and you're at 10 wins. That's a division winner most of the time. So I'm sorry. Like I'd love to give you more credit, but you're getting five to six free wins per year. Plus, you could be as bad as 500 against the rest of the NFL and still be a division winner in this division. Mm-hmm. I can't give you that much credit for that. Basically, you get there by default. Literally default. So, so it's one of those things. Like, But I think Miami could be interesting because I would like – I really want to see Josh Rosen for a full season where he's not playing in Arizona where he was running for his life. I want to see Josh Allen play in legitimate division – sorry, play, in a, play with a legitimate offense – and have the ability to actually exploit some of his capabilities. He was a rookie. What are you expecting? But he showed some flashes where it could be interesting. I don't expect him to do much, but I would still like to see it for a full season. And I'm blanking on the fourth team. The Jets. Sam Darnold. Ooh. Le'Veon Bell and Sam Darnold. Interesting. I, I kind of want to see that Le'Veon Bell thing, though. Like, if Le'Veon Bell can produce anything for them, that would help Sam Darnold. Because there is... You know what? I actually like. I actually kind of like this division outside of the Patriots uh, subplot. If they have one legitimate injury to a key player, Brady, if they have a legitimate injury to one key player, this division gets fascinating very quickly. Yeah. I don't so know. If that's what, just me. I kind of. I kind of am more interested in this division than I traditionally would be. So, do you have picks? Who's who? Are you picking after the Patriots? Okay, so the Patriots for sure. I, I've got. I've got winning the division unless something disastrous happens. I expect the Patriots to win. I think the Jets, the Bills, and then the Dolphins. But I'm really struggling with it because I could see I could see the Dolphins getting into that spot. I like you could flip those three teams you could flip in almost any configuration and I would buy your argument. You could make an argument for it. The problem the problem that we have right now is we have Tom Brady and the New England Patriots who are established. They are the um, they're the standard bearers in that division for the reasons that I outlined. And then you've got three young quarterbacks who have shown flashes of potential. Like I said, Josh Rosen is the most interesting because he's the only one who's left his original team because they ditched him for Kyler Murray. So that's the only one where it's like kind of interesting. But you've got three young quarterbacks there who have shown flashes of potential. And if yeah. any of them make the leap and find a way, that division gets a lot more interesting real fast. Is that fair? Fair enough. That's kind of where I would go with that. Fair enough. I like it. All right. AFC West. Again, not a lot here because I don't really see, I don't see anything. I mean, yes, theoretically, Antonio Brown can be a wild card or is a wild card personally. But in terms of football on the field, I don't really see any team in this division having done anything to change what happened last year. So therefore, I have Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos. That's all I have to say. Okay, so I like it conceptually. I'm worried about a Chiefs regression. Yes. I'm okay with the majority of what you said there. I'm worried about a Chiefs regression. The Chargers are just consistent. So if there's a Chiefs regression, which I feel like could be the case, I would pick the Chargers first with the Chiefs second. Okay. And I've already forgotten the other two. Raiders, Broncos. The Oakland slash... Las Vegas Antonio Browns will be last. 
they will um, at some point. Uh, you can write this down as part of the predictions. They'll be last, and I think at some point Antonio Brown will don the the garb of the mascot and actually just play mascot for a game because okay. hard knocks. I am writing it down because hard knocks. Why not? John Gruden will spontaneously combust. And uh, David Carr will light himself on fire like the monk in the famous photo. You know the one I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. That's that's pretty intense I, and, just, and a very interesting reference. I, I, I'm saying to you that this is all very possible. And uh, the, the Oakland Raiders will be the most interesting team to watch. None of it related to on-the-field excellence. None of it. Everything will be like, what horrible fate will befall these people who have agreed to this devil's bargain of going here. All right. That 10-year, $100 million contract of John Gruden will be the albatross that will drag down this franchise because they brought in Antonio Brown and thought this would be a good idea. Speaking of it, also, I won't tell you why, but Al Davis also comes up in the Sterling Affair podcast. Shocking. Really shocking. All right. So I think that's enough for the, the AFC, but I will give you my playoff order. So my, my playoff seeds, one through six are as follows. Patriots, number one. Chiefs, number two. Ravens, number three. Colts, number four, as the division winners. Number five, the Cleveland Browns. And number six, the San Diego Chargers. I'm not touching that with a ten and a half of both. It is still the preseason. We know nothing. The only thing I have established is the ones that I picked as division winners. There you go. You got those seeds. Outside of that... um, the Dallas Renegades, uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, uh, you know, the the Ottawa Renegades, because we need two Renegades. The Ottawa Rough Riders. We'll get all the Ottawa teams and the Red Blacks. They're all making the playoffs. That would be fun. They're all making the playoffs. All iterations of Ottawa football, anything ever, are all making the playoffs. I've got Emerson Ogilvie as Super Bowl MVP. Done. Book it. That right there is a reference for Oaks. That's a deep cut. That is almost a deep, as deep a cut as my monk lighting himself on fire picture. But that's an even more personal deep cut. There you go. Write that down, Dave. The the when this all comes to pass, I expect uh, books to be written about me. Oh, I I uh, I wrote it down, man. I wrote it down. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want to make hundred percent clear. A lot of it is tongue in cheek because I'm serious when I say this. I have learned over time. I try so hard to follow a lot of the information that a lot of folks follow, but at the same time, the NFL really just screws with us. Like when we think we know something, they'll throw something out there. Something will happen that we could not have possibly anticipated. And you'd like to pretend that you're smart enough to think about some of these things, but then it'll still happen. Something will occur, and then it'll go out there. Everything is in play. Everything is possible. Some of these teams are a little more clear-cut than others just because of their consistency. Sometimes that's very helpful because the consistency means you can predict it a little bit better. But outside of that, some of these teams are wild cards on wild cards. And this NFL season really feels like, to me, and you can disagree with me if you'd like, Dave. I'd like to get your take on this. Do you feel like there's really no prohibitive favorite this year? Yeah, I think that's fair. I I really don't feel – like we say the Patriots just kind of as the default answer because we're in the same boat as everybody else. The problem with the Patriots is because they're so consistent, but I've outlined part of the reason why they're so consistent. But at the same time, you can't take it away. They still are successful in what they do. But that means that they will fall off a cliff at some point because it has to happen. But we don't know when and we don't know where and we don't know what the precipitating event will be that will result in them falling off the cliff. So we have no choice but to consistently predict them into this slot until they prove otherwise. And when that happens, then that happens and it changes the whole dynamic. But until then, they're there. 
everything else is up for grabs. All the predictions can be completely wrong. It can be completely reversed. But there's very little we can rely on because almost everybody has had enough turnover where we're just not sure what we're looking at. And even when you watch preseason games and look at it, that means nothing. The preseason game we're watching right now, I, I'm watching right now on my other screen. Green Bay is barely up on uh, is barely up on Oakland right now. It's 21-19. Antonio Brown's been sitting on the sidelines, like screwing around with fans in Winnipeg. Like it's none of it means anything. And especially going into in the fourth quarter right now, none. Of, I haven't seen a single starter. There are probably a couple on here, but like realistically, they're just playing it out. They got about three minutes left in the game. They're giving the fans a show. It's a two point game. It's still in it's still in doubt. But outside of that. They're just playing to play. They're playing to get some reps in. When we get to when we get to game one of the regular season, we'll start talking. But the problem is, it is the NFL. So, game uh, one point I'll make: if you are of the gambling persuasion, week one's the best because things aren't fully settled yet. Even with the teams that have been settled, it's not fully settled. You want some upsets, quote unquote. Week one's your game because a lot of weird shit happens in week one, and it is the most unpredictable. But because of that, it is the most potentially profitable. If you're willing to go with some long shots on week one, that's the time. As the as the weeks go on, things become a little clearer and, you know, the odds adjust accordingly. Fair enough. Just a little tip for everybody, you know, if you're if you're so inclined, week one is a lot of fun if you want to take some stabs at some long shots. Just for Absolutely. Fun. Uh, so with that said, I shall give you what I'm looking forward to this week, Carlos. He's looking forward to something. Sleeping. Yeah, that. Um, and, and I'm only going to give one sports-related thing. Uh, because realistically, it's probably the only thing I'm going to actually have time to pay attention to. Well, actually, I'll give you two. One, uh, Toronto FC is playing Montreal Impact in Toronto, which is always good when those two teams get together. And the second thing, which I'm looking for, is really the one thing I'm looking forward to, is the New York Yankees are going to LA this weekend for a Friday, Saturday, Sunday set with the Dodgers. The Sunday Night Baseball this week is that series. And if all goes according to the what the Dodgers have been doing, Clayton Kershaw will start the Sunday night game. So there you go, Carlos. That's what I'm looking forward to. All right. Friday, my time. I'm looking forward to Collingwood versus Essendon. Aussie rules football. Yeah. Of course you are. <laughs> hey, listen, we're round 23, working our way towards the grand final. So I give that a thumbs up. Hey, listen, we got to do what we can. Look, I got to work with what I got, guys. I got, I still got regular season baseball. We're not quite to the playoffs yet. We are in the, we are in the stretch run. We are in the stretch run. But I, I think I, I hesitate. So let me quickly say something. I hesitate to select a baseball game as a thing I'm looking forward to because I'm generally watching baseball every night. As as you go, as you get into closer to the playoffs, it's like, are you going to look forward to game one of a three game series more than game two of a three game series more than game three of a three game series? You know, it, it's it's kind of tough to make that distinction at this time of the season. If the matchup's good, the matchup's good. If the pitching matchup's interesting, the pitching, pat, pitching matchup is interesting. But that's really all you have going for it. It wasn't something I'm looking forward to, but it was something that I was amused by. And I don't know if you caught the specific game. Did you catch the Toronto game where Bo Bichette hit two home runs off of Clayton Kershaw? I and did. the Jays lost 16-3 to anyway. I did. Which I, was did. Very I actually saw, I saw the first home run as it happened. Uh, and I PVR'd the rest of the game. It was hysterically funny. It's still a good note because Clayton Kershaw is a Hall of Fame caliber pitcher. But it's like, hit two home runs against future Hall of Famer Clayton Kershaw. What was the final score? 16-3. to They were on the losing side. But the point is that he hit two home runs against Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw's pitching well. 
Yeah, aside, but he is susceptible to the home run. Yeah, but, but aside from two pitches to Bo, to Bo Bichette, that, that was still a good performance. I, I think it was fine. I think they'll accept it. I'm actually looking forward to go, projecting into the future. I want to see what this LA team does in the playoffs. Not because I'm invested, not because I'm increasingly invested by that mean that, you know, I've got items coming in of coding Bellinger and I want to be them to be profitable. But the point is I'm invested. <laughs> I want to see things from this LA team is what I'm trying to say. Should I say spoiler alert, blown saves? Listen, I got to work with what I got. Listen, as long as Coling Hellinger's hit some goddamn dingers, we're fine. He's, I just need the man to hit some dingers. Keep hitting dingers. Do that. Uh, you know, be an MVP candidate. Then Carlos makes some money and everything's fine. I don't care what happens after that. We're good. And there you have it, folks. All right. As always, at the end of the day, this podcast is just an excuse for me to self-aggrandize and make profit. Now, let's do some shameless plugs in the same vein. On Instagram, we're at, at Unnecessary Podcast. I will be a little more diligent getting some uh, getting some in- things on the Instagram. I've been very, very sloppy about it. Unfortunately, work has buried me and it's still burying me, but I'm going to make sure that I put something up for that. At Twitter, it's at Unnecessary underscore pod. Our site is unnecessarypod.podbean.com. Those are the places that you can find us. Also, you can check out static images of our faces in cartoon form and archive versions of the various podcasts on the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast YouTube channel. You can type it in that way. You will find it on YouTube, and that will be where you can find that. Occasionally, we'll throw something up there. I kind of want to make some comments on Antonio Brown beyond the context of this podcast. If I find time to do that, that's where it will be. And I will try because Antonio Brown is a man of content, if nothing else. Just this is fact. Days from, years from now, he will be his own 30 for 30 podcast. Lord knows. This man will be his own 30 for 30 podcast. So I think that's it for myself and Dave. Thank you as always for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast.